Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Daisyable Podcasts. Today, we're going to be interviewing Davy Joggs from Sambar Kitchen, where she's going to tell us a little bit more about entrepreneurship. How did you get the idea to start up the Sambar Kitchen, and how was the process? Yeah, so I was a senior in high school. I was looking to be a student athlete in college so I was being recruited and going on all these recruiting visits for cross country and track and I've grown up around food I've grown up around food manufacturing because that's my family business and I've been a vegetarian since I've been 11 years old so every time I would go on these recruiting visits um, I would tell my parents call my dad and I would be like there is no vegetarian food, nothing flavorful like Indian food. Like, I don't know how I'm going to eat in college. And so during my senior year of high school, in between meets and runs, um, we started experimenting in the kitchen on how to make mixes that could easily be added to rice, vegetables, meat if you wanted to eat meat, um, and basically make cooking really simplified for me when I was living in the dorms and didn't have a lot of time between my busy school and athlete schedule. And that's kind of how the idea started. And I started bringing it to the cafeteria at school. um, And I would sometimes just like run to the Chinese food restaurant um, next to my dorm building, grab a quart of rice, and it became pretty popular among me and my friends um, and a staple for a lot of my meals during college. So um, a little bit in high school and then a little bit in college, we were experimenting with design and how to try to make this, you know, our private label brand. Um, And yeah, so the process has been, you know, from scratch and really exciting. And that's how it all, that's really cool. began. So it started small with just your friends and family. Yeah, it started mostly between me, my dad, and my my sister and my mom, a little bit of my grandmother, because we were, you know, we really went to her to get her feedback because she's the one cooking the most traditional Indian recipes and and yeah, so definitely family oriented. Yes, that's that's very nice. Okay. Thanks. What inspired you to start this business? Um, I would definitely say my father and grandmother were very influential um, in starting this brand. Uh, I, like I said, I've, I've been around food, specifically Indian food growing up and just experimenting with recipes, um, whether it's in my kitchen or at the factory Um, and so I think those two were the ones that really you know inspired this brand and to make it happen and bring it to life Um, but yeah that's 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 basically what inspired it (laughs) yeah I love how it's your family inspired you so so how did you get like partnerships with other companies and get like your brand out Yeah, so basically I graduated my undergrad with marketing and entrepreneurship. And so 
I was really invested in the digital side of marketing, especially with social media. Um, and around like 2016, I would say is when you really saw brands start to blow up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or at least that's when I started taking notice of the power of what social media could do with our ROI and getting partnerships with, you know, what were considered influencers. And so, I mean, still to this day, it's a really, it's a lot of just like cold call emails. Um, if you can get on the phone with influencers, great. Most of the time it's gonna be typically through emails. Um, and then sometimes you meet someone and they know an influencer and they connect you. Of course, you can always pair with agencies, marketing agencies that source those influencers for you and already have um, connections to influencers and they negotiate contracts for you. But those can get a little pricey, especially as a small business and um, if you're a startup brand. So I typically will spend a couple, you know, at the end of the month, like when I'm looking for new partnerships or influencers to pair with, I spend a few, you know, a few hours uh, planning each month of who I want to represent the brand, um, really vetting out people um, because you'll find that a lot of influencers want to represent your brand, but not every influencer is a good fit. So looking at the different media rates of all these influencers, um, and then also their engagement, which I would suggest to any small brand trying to find partners or collaborators to really look at the engagement because in the beginning before specifically Instagram and Facebook um, was able to improve the algorithm, there was a lot of fake influencers. So you could buy follower counts and basically look like you have 400,000 followers, but then you're only getting like, a hundred likes and maybe like yes there are a lot of people that you know the engagement on Instagram like um comments and so if you have a hundred likes but then a hundred comments it means a hundred people are like physically engaging with that picture or that person which is really really important um and I always ask uh, influencers for screenshots of their business insights. So an influencer will typically have a business profile that Instagram shows you on the back end, Facebook shows you on the back end, all the statistics of where a website clicks, of you know how much is going on behind the scenes. If their insights are low, then you don't pay them um, because it, it's not gonna be good for your business. It's not gonna make sense to throw sometimes Five hundred thousands of dollars for one post to someone that won't even bring in a single sale. So it's really, it's really being able to form that relationship, and then when you do have a contract being negotiated, really looking at are they going to bring sales in for your brand? Because at the end of the day, that's what's more. That's like the most important thing is getting that ROI. Yeah, I agree. Like networking is very hard to do and it takes a lot of effort and it definitely needs skill to do that. So did you have a background in entrepreneurship before this? Or like, I know you said that you went to college, but did you like have any experience with entre entrepreneurship or is this like your first? Yeah, so entrepreneurship is the biggest waste of a major. <laughs> and that's not to like, you know, 
turn anyone away from studying it. It's just entrepreneurship is one of those things, especially in this new influencer Instagram world where it's become a glam word, a glamorous thing, a glamorous job. And like, that's the farthest thing that entrepreneurship is. It's a lot of failing. It's a lot of trial and error. And the only way you're going to learn entrepreneurship and be an entrepreneur is going out and trying it. So I guess you can say I had a background in entrepreneurship. I, like I said, I watched my father growing up, you know, start his business from ground zero and build it up. Um, and so he, he's been like a serial entrepreneur by nature. So I've grown up around that mentality and personality. Um, I also, yeah, I was an Avon lady, uh, probably before I entered high school. So like eighth grade, ninth grade, um, where I was going door to door, handing out catalogs, um, taking people's orders for makeup, body wash and stuff like that and fulfilling those orders. And um, that, that was probably my first segue into entrepreneurship. Uh, Girl Scouts, honestly, too, selling Girl Scout cookies that teaches you a lot of the foundations of sales. Um, and then by college, I did, uh, I entered a business fraternity, which was a professional fraternity for men and women and learned a lot about marketing, interviewing, finance. And then I also started a business of my own that along with Summer Kitchen during my sophomore year, I want to say, um, which was an effort to create bracelets that raised awareness to uh to sexual assault on campus called the sparkle bracelet i haven't completely given up on that company it's uh it was just something that i needed more money and capital for for the manufacturing process for jewelry which is different than food manufacturing obviously um so until i can you know see the number that i want to see for a sales for sunbar kitchen um, then I can invest more in building the sparkle bracelet and having both of those companies kind of run, obviously, a, you know, different courses where they're going to be very different customer bases. But Sambar Kitchen has given me the ability to have a little bit more safety that um, I wouldn't necessarily have with a sparkle bracelet because I am able to have my family kind of mentoring me and then I may also able to delegate it a little bit more easily because um, the price points that I've been able to find for marketing and um, kind of the, the digital aspects for Sunbar Kitchen have been tremendously different than what I was finding with the Sparkle Bracelet. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely been all a learning experience, but I've kind of always immersed myself in entrepreneurship and then without being said i did a lot of campaigns on my college campus which i think are very similar to entrepreneurship of course you're not necessarily getting sales and an roi but that foundation of building a name and participate and support a, a college wide campaign has has been really integral in just teaching me the foundations of entrepreneurship so it's really just about any experience getting yourself involved getting your hands dirty and you know knowing what works and doesn't work to 
learn entrepreneurship. You have to be able to work for someone else, whether it's in an internship or, you know, at a Jimmy John's, which I've also done and just seeing how efficiency works and how delegating works. So, yeah. So, yeah, so I understand what you mean when um, you're talking about like your experiences before and stuff. So um, what were some challenges you faced throughout it? Like what was the biggest challenge you faced? As a um, I think for me, uh, specifically with the sparkle bracelet, it would be sourcing a manufacturer, right? And getting the capital to support whatever those prices are. Um, and I can see the same thing happen with customers that come to us for the food manufacturing side of things is that people don't know what manufacturers, they, of course they know what they do, but they don't, there's not a lot of education behind it. You, you will not learn it unless you're going to somewhere like Penn State for like food science and they have manufacturing, you know, expertise in their majors. You're not getting it in a business degree in undergrad. It's not like service-based businesses when, you know, you see young people starting social media agencies or marketing agencies, which are great. Like that's not to downplay, you know, that work. It, it's still hard work. It's just even some of your professors might not have a background in sourcing a manufacturer. And a lot of times with small businesses, why not to say why they fail or why they, but why they struggle is because they end up paying premium prices um, for manufacturers, whether that's for jewelry, apparel, food. And that's very hard to get that kind of capital up front, especially if you're a young person and you have loans and you know you're just you're just trying to make it out of college so which is why typically you see people enter entrepreneurship after they've had careers and they're able to safely and financially walk away so i would say it's the manufacturing and it's the education behind the manufacturing that has been the biggest thing for me and then also getting people to fund what I believe in and what I believe is going to be a successful business. And you, you probably hear that answer across the board is just the capital and the access to capital. So the manufacturing part was definitely the hardest and it was different than what you expected it to be. So I know being an entrepreneur, it's like there's a lot of ups and downs. So how did you balance that and like march towards your goal of making your business successful? Therapy. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding, but I'm not kidding, but I am kidding. Um, no, I think, I think, yes, entrepreneurship is very up and down and that's kind of what the thrill of it is. Um, that's the excitement. Like you'll have really, really low days and like not understand why you didn't make this one sale. Um, but then all of a sudden the next day you're making like five sales and it's just like this huge adrenaline rush. And you know, <laughs> I want to say that I've, I've found a balance that I have the answer for you, but I'll ever tell you that they do. I mean, people preach self-care and it's 100% important to level off your anxiety and, you know, basically get it together. But at the same time, 
it, it comes with little things like like lifestyle changes like you are taking an hour in the morning to go on a run or at least eat breakfast before you go you know for your busy day um you have to be able to accept failure and bounce back from those failures so yeah i i think therapy or at least having a mentor or a, a close friend that is supporting you is uh, is really really important like if you're not surrounding yourself by people that want to be just as successful as you and want to support what you're doing it's going to be more miserable because you're going to feel like an outcast and i personally you know i've i felt like that i've especially in college when everyone's like out partying and like you know shames you for staying in and working on something other than homework like you're going to feel like an outcast but it's kind of like one of those things where you have to tell yourself this is the bigger picture this is my passion and that's what makes me special and what's going to make this business special and i i think you know some days that's hard to put in your head um but if you're not associating yourself with the right people in your circle um those highs and lows are going to feel like highs and lows. And so I learned that from a very young age with, you know, my sport and running. Um, you know, I used to go to this running camp, this training camp out in Colorado, and I was surrounded by people that wanted the same things for me and had the same mentality. And not that we didn't take time for self-care or, you know, breaks. We just, the, the, the adrenaline and the mentality and the vibes that we all kind of fed off of each other was really much more important for our long-term success within the sport. And so I, I, you know, advise any young uh, entrepreneur person to take sales jobs where you're not always getting the sales and learning how to fail and pick yourself back up again. And then, really weeding out who is going to be there for you in the long run. And that's how you kind of keep that more balanced lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, I'm, I started an Etsy shop like a few, like two years ago and I'm a teenager and it was definitely very hard on my part. And I can relate to a lot of the things you just said. And I think your advice is definitely very, very useful because that if I heard that two years ago, that would have definitely helped me balance it more and like, keep up with my social life while still running a small business. Yeah, I think that especially in high school and if I'm remembering any parts of high school and how people are in high school, it, it, you're going to come across a lot of people that are basically just envious and that's really unfortunate. And I think specifically for women, it's really, really important to find other women that are not envious that are going to uplift you. I mean, if there were more people and more women in the world that just empowered other women, you know, we would be able to accomplish a lot. Um, so I think just mental toughness is a key part of entrepreneurship and just, uh, yeah, I know those days are tough when everyone's saying, oh, why are you running a business? What makes you think you could do it? You know what's funny? Everyone in fifth grade, when I, you know, announced that I was going to become a vegetarian, said that I would never, you know, stick with being vegetarian and that I couldn't do it. And yeah, you know, part of, I was the type of person when someone told me I couldn't do something, I was definitely damn well going to do it. Um, but 
that's funny that, you know, if I would have listened to them, Sunbar Kitchen probably wouldn't be a thing. So I would, you know, try to stick with it. <laughs> um, that's definitely important to ignore the haters. <laughs> yeah. <So>. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate Yeah, no worries. <laughs> thank you. Um, I think like to give a special thanks to Davey for joining us and we'd like to give a special thanks for you guys for listening for, to today's episode. Thank you.